Hello and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church. My name is Wade Giffen, one of the pastors, and I am so glad to be able to welcome you to online worship today. We're continuing our summer series called Crosswords of Creation, where we're turning to the book of Genesis and seeing the significant moments, the significant stories where God is charting a pathway for reconciling all of creation back to God. Hey, church! You know, we were talking in worship planning this week about how can I make an entrance, and that's what we decided to do. So that literally planned, not really. Well, we're continuing our summer series um, called Crosswords of Creation, where we're kind of traveling through the book of Genesis with this idea. Genesis has a lot of stories that we love and that we have known, but we often um, embrace those stories in isolation and what really the, the deal in Genesis is one story opens the next door, opens the next door, and we see God at work in the lives of the people. So we're trying to put some of those crosswords together uh, so it's not so puzzling anymore. Today we are over in chapter 18 in the book of Genesis. If you are following along, I'm going to start at the first verse. Hear these words from long, long ago for the people of God even today. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant." Let a little water be brought to wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. He said, let me bring a little bread and that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have uh, come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And so Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour kneaded and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and he took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took the curds and milk and the calf that had, he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where's your wife Sarah? And he said, they're in the tent. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in their age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have grown old and my husband is old, some translations say worn out, but I chose to go with old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child that, now that I am old? Is anything, someone say is anything, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? 
At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, oh, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, I am grateful that um, my wife, Debbie, is here this morning. Um, She didn't make it to the first service because we had a little situation uh, the other night. Um, She asked me to give her the tube of chapstick, and I accidentally gave her super glue. She's still not talking to me. You know, cosmetic surgery used to be such a taboo subject, but it doesn't seem to be so much anymore. I mean, you can sit in a room with your friends, talk about Botox, and nobody raises an eyebrow. Come on, you are a tough crowd. Golly. My uncle died peacefully in his sleep. But the kids on his bus were screaming. Should I stop? Listen, y'all, I got two full pages of potentials here. Got to keep working the crowd. I think I'm done. Have you ever wondered why humans laugh? I mean, why do we laugh? What is it about laughing that we all care that we all share? It is a universal thing to all human beings and it is an involuntary response just like breathing. We start laughing as early as 3 months old. Some maybe even a little earlier than that. And it turns out that the global crowd pleaser among children is the game peekaboo, right? You know how it works with kids. And one of the things uh, that I learned is that there is no definitive answer among researchers as to why humans have this thing called laughter. They have spent years trying to figure it out, and they can't quite come up with an answer. So um, as you would imagine, I spent a lot of time this week reading papers, scholarly papers, so that you didn't have to, about why humans laugh. And all of them went in a very predictable direction. And that direction is ultimately to talk more about the function of laughter as opposed to why we have this thing called laughter. Now, of course, there are a whole lot of theories um, about that, and, and some of them began, I began to see a common thread coming together among those. One of the common threads that researchers wrote about is that laughter fills a social need. Common to a lot of the articles was this notion that we laugh in situations where we are attempting to create an environment of trust or a no-judgment zone. It it, it serves to punctuate something we have said to make sure that the hearer does not misunderstand our message. 
I began to think about this. Maybe that's why, and I know a lot of you are guilty of this because you text me, but I began to wonder, I began to realize why when we send a text message, we can't just hit the period send. What do we do? Period. Who's the saint that helped me out with that one? Thank you. We say period, and let's do it. LOL. And why do we do that? Because we don't want our message misunderstood. It serves us in a social function. But also, I know that I have learned that it serves us with a biological function. I'm looking at the docs in the room. Apparently, laughter is good for our health. It's a good thing. It relieves stress. It releases endorphins, that happy hormone. It causes us to take ourselves a little less seriously. And those kinds of things, they say, it's good for your health. So laugh it up. There was a common theme among all of these researchers about the what. What is it that makes us laugh? What is it that we find so funny that it elicits that laughter. And there are a whole bunch of theories. Y'all, you know, there are like really serious people who study comedy. And, and, and there's one of three theories called the incongruity theory. And that's the one we're interested in today. The idea is that when we find things incongruent, we think they're funny. The jokes I attempted at the start are all incongruent jokes. That is when we hear something where our brain cannot all of a sudden make it fit with the next piece. They don't fit together. They don't make sense together. And so here's the theory. While our brain is trying to figure that out, what do we do? We laugh. Another way to refer to this is Humor of absurdity, it seems absurd. Now, you've heard a lot of comedians do this, and usually the best comedians, do you agree with me, are the ones who've had the most miserable lives? Right? Because they can take the most miserable experience that they had in their life, and then all of a sudden we're just rolling on the floor as a result of the misery in their life. You know, I always like to say, tragedy and comedy live in the same cul-de-sac with each other. Why does that work? Because it's incongruent. Incongruent. One other piece of research. Um, researchers have said that four out of three people have a difficulty with math. I'll just let you sit on that one for a minute. Today's text, along with uh, some we've had in the past couple of weeks, <clears throat> includes laughter among the main characters. This week it's Sarah. We already saw Abraham do that. Uh, last week. And, and this laughter in every case in the story of Abraham and Sarah is the result of an incongruent experience at the absurd suggestion of God that from a 90 and a 99-year-old couple could be a son born who would be the heir of a whole nation of all of God's family. And so this would be an appropriate place to put an L. O-L, right? So Sarah laughed in today's text, and it was clearly an example of a time when we laugh at something that our brain can't figure out, that our brain 
finds incongruent, and we're trying to make sense of it. That couple, at that age, are told that within a year, that's usually what it means in due time in the Bible, that within a year will be born to them a boy who will fulfill that promise God gave to them that a great people would come from them. And that's incongruent, and apparently it's funny. How do you make sense of that? I don't know. So let's just chuckle for a while and try to figure out how to deal with it. LOL. So here's the scene. Abraham and Sarah, they've been going a while. They had this promise some time ago. It's been on their minds that God will make this great nation through them, will establish God's family. And then these three men arrive. And what they don't know, but we have the privilege and benefit of knowing because we have more parts of the story, is that these three men are the presence of God visiting them, the Lord. And Abraham must have been suspicious because even though in their culture you always lay out hospitality to anyone who comes to your tent, that party was extravagant that night. And in the midst of the conversation, one of the men said this to Abraham, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And the text said that Sarah is listening to the conversation over in the tent, and she laughs. Why did she laugh? Why did it seem funny? It was incongruent. It didn't make sense. When is something that you feel God is nudging you to do or God is nudging you to be feels incongruent? Who, me? Lord? LOL. Do what, God? What, God, you know I have no idea how to even begin to do that. (laughs) LOL. But it's real. This story has lots to say to us. I'm only going to share two things because the worship team wouldn't give me any more time in planning this week. They really threw it down. They said, can you really preach in 15 minutes? And I went, yeah, LOL. Here's, here's, here's number one. Number one is this. It reminds us that God is dependable and faithful when it comes to God's promises. God is dependable. God is faithful when it comes to God's promises. You see, the thing we see in this, of course, that God will always deliver on any promise that God makes, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation that feels impossible, that feels incongruent, God figures it out and God will make a way. But also, the thing we see is that when God makes a promise that God intends to keep, God shows up and brings along the stuff we need to make it happen. When we think we are inadequate, when we think we are unworthy of the call, when we think that we are unable, God makes the way. 
How do we see that in the story of Abraham and Sarah? Isaac. We see that God made the way for Abraham and Sarah and the promise. Where do we see it? We see it with Isaac. That boy that was born within the year, and it's just a couple pages later in our Bible. Check this out. Do you know what the word Isaac, the Hebrew word Isaac, means in English? It means she laughs. She laughs. God gave that, gave that name to that boy. What a fitting name God gave. You see, this text tells us something about God. Y'all, when there is no way, God makes a way. Where it is, seems impossible, God sees possibilities. Where it seems incongruent that a couple in their 90s would have a boy, God made it happen. And Abraham and Sarah receive a blessing named Isaac along with a chuckle. So one of the things this text tells us is that God is dependable, God is faithful in promises. The second thing this story shows us about is it shows us something about hope. We already began to touch on that a little bit in last Sunday's text. Hope has been a dominant part of the Abraham and Sarah story. You see, last week we saw that the promise was a source of hope. The promise God gave was hope for this couple, a couple who had never been able to bear a child in their life. They felt hopeless in this reality. But now they're cautiously leaning into hope. But here's something that I notice that's not completely obvious just at first in the text. This is the time that uh, I want to point out the timing in all of this. Here it is. Check this out. Today's text finds Abraham and Sarah 24 years later from when they originally got that promise. Do the math. The first time the promise came that God would make a great nation of them, Abraham was 75 years old. In the text today, he's 99 years old. Think about that for a moment. Something that was hilarious at 75. Whoo, it's really hilarious at 99. 24 years later. And it left me with this question about life in journeying with God. How do we live into, how do we survive the time when hope seems to get delayed, delayed hope, not on our time. And so maybe we wonder, was I just being delusional to believe that something that absurd or outrageous could actually come to fruition? Did I get the terms of the promise wrong? Or the, why, Lord? And then God shows up. It's hard to, to hang in there, especially in a culture that's so full of instant gratification. I get so frustrated when it takes Amazon two days instead of one. 
And then God shows up. God's time and our time, it's not the same time. That's when our trust in where we've seen God before, the promises that God has made before that God fulfilled, it's when we trust that God is 100% consistent when God gives us a promise. And just when our ancient grandparents were likely to begin to wonder if it would ever happen, God shows up. And you know our text today, like a joke, has a punchline. Did you get the punchline? Don't miss it. I'll give it to you. It goes like this. When Sarah laughed, the one fellow said this, Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? Pastor Kim put me on a book this week, one of our favorite authors, and this author was talking about that delayed hope, and she called that struggle, that we live in struggle. And then here's, here's a quote that just, just really has lingered with me all week. She wrote this, hope is rooted in the past. Got that so far? Hope is rooted in the past, but believes in the future. You see how she ties that together? Hope is rooted in the past, but believes in the future. And she writes, God's world is in God's hand That's what hope says, and therefore cannot ever possibly be hopeless. So um, I'm out of time, but I want to close with a story. Um, I started to tell you the story last week, but um, I saved most of it for this week. So here's the rest of the story. Um, Have some of you wondered if I have an obsession with the story of Abraham and Sarah? Well, I do, and there is a reason. Debbie and I, you know, I, we've told you I've had a terrible time. Uh, just been really hard having, having children and making a family. Um, we've had six pregnancies. Two of them survived. We have two children. And between all of those pregnancies were these really, really long periods of barrenness, as the Bible would say. Conceiving has been a long journey. It was a struggle. And then once we conceived, it was like we never knew if the baby would make it. So when Alex was born, our firstborn, I don't know how he got here. He's just a fighter. Um, We decided we're just going to be satisfied with him. Because, you know, we got to know lots and lots of couples going through the same stuff. And we had one baby. And I'll tell you, I don't care about mathematics. The difference between zero and one is way bigger than the difference between one and two. And so we were satisfied with him. But, y'all, I had a dream one night. And in that dream, God told me that we were not finished yet, that there would be a boy in due time. You ever wake up from a dream and go, oh, that was just a dream. I wish that was for real. And so I tried to dismiss it, but as a person of faith, I couldn't do that so quickly. And so I privately held on to that dream as hope. It's about that time we met this doctor in Cincinnati. He was a hotshot young dude just out of medical school, OBGYN. And he was a member of the church with his wife and his kids. And, um, and he heard about our story. He came and he said, hey, um, would you be willing to come talk to me about your situation? And we did. And he said, it sounds to me like this new thing that I've been studying that not many people are looking at yet. I might just be able to get you a baby here. He says, but you guys have to take the risk. So a long season went by of of infertility again, and it 
just didn't seem like it was going to happen. And then one night I was sitting downstairs in the parsonage, and all of a sudden I heard this most haunting sound in the house. It was coming from the second floor. It was Debbie. I couldn't figure out if she was crying or if she was laughing or if she was okay, what the heck was going on. So I ran to the second floor, and she was sitting there laughing hysterically and presented me a positive pregnancy test. And then we had Chris, Christopher. Our hope, our delayed hope, fulfilled. It wasn't by design. There's over five years between our two boys. Oh, and here's the other part. Our Christopher's middle name is Isaac. So his name is Christopher. She laughs. Giffen. And he never, y'all, he never stops making us laugh. And he did from the beginning as a promise from God. Fulfilled. What is it in your life that either you have hope for or you've been in a long, dry season of delayed hope? Something that seems incongruent, impossible? What is it that you need to rely on in God's promises rooted in something in the past, but believe in the future? I just want to tell you, whatever that is, friends, you have come to the right place today. You have come to a place where we believe that God is faithful to God's promises. Where we believe in a God who gives us hope even when the time is delayed because God is always so thanks for being with us in worship today i'm so glad you stopped by and chose to tune in to our online worship make sure you're back here next week as we continue our journey the crosswords of creation god bless you have a great week